1: All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that is smooth enough to get your blood pumping during the Sunday night theater production of Beetlejuice. I am Jared Stormer of the Block M Podcast Network and maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey of the same place and my hetero life mate, Andy, you divine arbiter of truth, bud heavies, and the outside zone run. How the hell are you, sir?
2: (laughs) I'm good, man. Good to be back here for our second pod of the week again. We're going to have them released separately this time, not give them the extravaganza that we spoiled them with last week. Spoiled the people. So uh, excited to talk Rutgers, man, because this game has all kinds of implications for the future. It
1: sure does, and uh, yeah, I mean, you got wine drunk Jared last time, and you know that can be, it giveth and it taketh away. And, that is, that uh, is a blessing, instance.
2: people. Like, not everybody deserves that, uh, so I was glad mm-hmm. we could get that on the air. It's a special character you bring to the table. I mean, some would call the delight the show stealer at times when you're that way, so mm-hmm. honored, honored to discuss that with you last week.
1: Yeah, I can't go within 100 feet of a bus station because of it, but like, look, other than that, I'd say that they, it's worked out for me. Uh all right sir let us pod. I'm excited to talk. We got a lot that we want to talk about. We're going to kind of bounce around. Uh I'm going to open with some Detroit Lions talk because we did not talk about them in the previous pod. I don't want to get too far away from it, but the Lions lose in overtime to Seattle and I don't want to like talk too much about this game. This isn't Alliance podcast, but did, were you able to watch any of this? What's your your overall takeaway? I know you're not too concerned about the overall season because it's a 17 freaking game season, but uh, what are your initial thoughts about this and where the Lions are headed?
2: I was unable to watch. I was driving back from Ann Arbor getting home, but I was able to catch the highlights and kind of I read some of the discourse. And very up and down, man. Like, this is a winnable game. These are the one-score ones you, you want to swing in this season. Really, like... If the Lions could have gotten out the 2-0, it would have been just such like a just a stranglehold of like, okay, like we're we're going to win. We're going to have a winning record this season, going to make the playoffs seem a lot better. Like two-0 is just such a good starting point for this team in these games, especially getting the Chiefs game as a launching pad. So I'm a little disappointed. Like, I know, like, you and I were talking offline about some coaching decisions in this one. Like, it was a very winnable game. And I felt like if towards the end of the year, the Lions are right on the edge of playoff contention, this is one you're going to look back to being like, we should have won the home opener.
1: and it was the one we looked to last year like they directly said like this was the team that kept him out of the playoffs it was a revenge game Aaron Glenn in particular has been absolutely owned by the Seattle Seahawks in the last couple years and uh, didn't really change in this one Geno Smith goes for 328 two touchdowns They made him look like freaking prime Peyton Manning back there it's ridiculous he's not that good I mean he's a very solid serviceable quarterback but the Lions just have their issues we had a lot of guys go out in this one Uh, Hutchinson still getting officiated like he's a rookie definitely needs to to get more holding calls for how impactful he is how many yes. pressures he gets uh, you would think you would see more holding calls generated but look at the end of the day the lions had this one they're aggressive all day long and really the thing i wanted to touch on was uh the cadence of aggression you go for every fourth down but then with two minutes left three timeouts you don't try to win the game you go for overtime you play for overtime they get the coin toss take it right down of course score a touchdown and win it like i think dan campbell um gets some criticism for in-game decisions and and it's warranted and this is one of those instances where it's warranted and i don't understand being uber aggressive if you're not going to be aggressive there
2: it's the inconsistency that that's the biggest issue it's like sometimes we'll do it sometimes we'll fake a punt deep in his own you know territory otherwise other times he's gonna punt on fourth and two near the 50 it's like you just want to see like lean one way or the the other like yeah. i'm not like a hundred percent like you have to follow the analytics at all times like gut feeling has to play into it but like with a chance to win that game laid in it drive down be aggressive at least try like try a couple plays see if they work if not then settle yeah. in run kick the field goal and go to overtime but I really just wanted to see just a chance for this offense to seal the game in like one of the best home environments the lions have had in the last 10 years. Like I think that could have been a really special moment. It was squandered a
1: hundred percent, man. And uh, yeah, I don't want to be the the guy to like blame officiating or yell at the coaches. Like that's annoying fan behavior. Um, but yeah, some consistency would be good. And uh, our, our point that we made early in the year about um, drafting the running back and the middle linebacker, um Jack Campbell out of Iowa and where they drafted him a lot we got some flack for that but look at what Jalen Carter's doing right now in Philadelphia and look at how badly our defensive tackles got abused and they didn't play Gibbs so just it it looks a little weird right now when you're looking at it I'm sure you know the season's young I get that and Gibbs is going to have more opportunities but just something to keep an eye on man we were we were on it early and um You know, I'm not saying we were right, but I feel good about us in three years from now, looking back and being like, yeah, probably should have taken Jalen Carter or Christian Gonzalez. Um, I'm I'm thinking that would probably have been the move.
2: Yeah, I mean. Like you and I discussed, like, it's just the value. Like we like both players and what we've seen in very small doses, especially from Jameer Gibbs, but it was just the value at the position. Like Saquon Barkley is a good running back in the NFL but was way overdrafted at that position. I believe he was fourth overall. It's like not diminishing the player he is. It's just the value of what you could have done to address other needs and fill up spaces on the roster. So the lions just reeling right now in the defensive interior. And I don't know how they solve it. Maybe, you try to go after Chris Jones at free agency. He's only working on a one-year deal right now. I don't know where they solve this and if it's not going to be in the draft.
1: Yeah, and we eventually need to take the quarterback of the future too. And yeah. Pascal is out who, I mean, Pascal was showing some stuff and James Houston is now out. So it's once again, Aiden Hutchinson and no help whatsoever on the defensive line. He's going to get double teamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely going to affect his sack total because now you can just put all of your effort into stopping Aiden Hutchinson he's really the only threat on that line so yeah I mean I'm not it kind of sounds like we're being super down on the Lions I still think they can win 11 games and make the playoffs but you know just some things around the fringes if you really want to be one of the elite teams and catch the Dallas the Philadelphias and the San Francisco's of the world uh, these are the little things that you got to clean up and um, the little things around the margin that you need to just execute better.
2: Yeah, especially when you're trying to just break the streak of being the same old Lions, like this isn't a great start, like it was a nice high last week, and I feel like it's kind of come back down to reality. I think next week, kind of like Michigan's week this season, is going to be very just foretelling about the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It's not the same old Lions, by the way. This is a dramatically, like I just want to clarify, not the same old Lions, but um, they're, they're also not elite you know, Super Bowl contender yet. Uh, Let's stay in the NFL while we're there. Let's talk about some Wolverines in the NFL. Um, I was bouncing around, able to catch a decent amount this week, and I want to lead with the one that makes me the most happy, the one that I absolutely shouted from the rooftops, and that is that Nico Collins is a number one receiver in the NFL. He goes for a buck 40 and a touchdown, his first, the first NFL touchdown from CJ Stroud, gross. But regardless, you know, we'll put all that behind us um, for the sake of nico collins and uh you know maybe the texans at large having some success and this is so good to see man like we loved him at michigan thought he could have been utilized a little bit more but
2: i think both of us were pretty confident this guy belonged in the nfl again he missed the 2020 season one of the players that opted out so he never got to see the full potential of what he could have been when he was in ann arbor now, this is great to see. I mean, even if it's like carries the tax of like CJ Stroud's looking like a serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL, it's like, well, at least Nico Collins is benefiting and helping him get there. So a nice way to feel better about that one. Uh, staying in the state of Texas, Luke Schoonmaker, Let's first go. career touchdown for the Cowboys, man. Felt so good. They uh, doubled up famously in the draft, drafting Mozzie Smith and Scooney. Mozzie's been a starter from day one. Schoonie, I mean, bringing in the first one feels so good for a Super Bowl contender, that Dallas has this season so I'd love to see that
1: it's crazy they have so much depth right now they don't necessarily need to start either guy I think Mozzie probably has a better claim at a starting role yeah but there's a couple guys ahead of Schoonmaker that they really like I think they got uh, what is it Ferguson Ferguson and from Wisconsin guys. yeah from Wisco uh, but Schoonmaker, yeah one reception one touchdown that's a good way to get out Efficiency, there and get involved. Baby. That is how you be efficient. And yeah, I'm excited to see uh, him get some more run as well. Uh, Let's stay in the NFC where Ambry Thomas is still getting run out there. Like kind of forgotten about guy. Out at San Francisco for one of the best defenses I would argue maybe the best defense uh, in all of football and they play him a decent amount and uh, he plays extremely well he's been with San Francisco since he was drafted and like him and and Metellus just kind of get forgotten but they're out there they're contributing week in and week out they're important to their teams Uh, there's a drop-off behind Amory Thomas uh, a guy that we liked but we were kind of we we were having some misses there in the back end, um, me in particular, and I take pride on hitting on my cornerbacks. Um, so I liked Amari Thomas a little bit more than Lavert Hill because of his athleticism. I liked where he went. So I'm gonna take this as a minor win for me. I'm gonna, I mean, it's not a huge win. I'm not gonna pat myself on the back, but you know, I might rub myself on the shin. <laughs> it's
2: like, don't pull a Mel. All right, settle down, Jared. We're on the call now. <laughs> Um, no, you should. Like you were big on Ambry uh, again. sat off the twenty twenty season, so got, never got to see the full ceiling. I guess he's just too busy being overshadowed by Jake Moody, who is let's go perfect on extra points, perfect on field goals. Hit a fifty seven yarder this weekend. Just looking every bit like the draft pick. Worked some things out in the preseason. Really got the uh, just the whole process like sorted out between the long snapper holder and himself. And looks like a million bucks, man, worth the third round draft pick for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. They don't call him money moody for
1: nothing. He's six for six on field goals, two for two uh, on 20 through uh, field goals, 20 to 29. Also hit a 57 yarder against the Los Angeles Rams this week. Uh, He's six for six on the extra points. This is exactly who we thought he was, who we knew he was. There was a little bit of trepidation early in the preseason. Preseason's not real. It's fine. Didn't mean anything, and uh, that is proving to be the case. Such a mental game, man, and yeah. I've just always believed in in Jake Moody, especially between the ears. So this is delightful to see. I can't pretend to be a 49ers fan, but you got Ronnie Bell, you got Ambry, you got Jake Moody. Like, it's, it's kind of watchable. I kind of enjoy watching him.
2: Yeah, you kind of got to tune in because you're going to watch like a high quality product. They have a bunch of Michigan players you're just quietly rooting for at times. You know, it's good football to watch. And at the end of the day, we just want to watch good football.
1: Look, we're simple men. Just innocent men. And uh I tuned in for the New England Patriots uh because they were playing the Dolphins, who I do enjoy watching. Uh, shout out to Paul, he's a huge dolphins fan, and uh they're crazy entertaining. But also, yeah. there's a lot of Wolverines on that Patriots team now, especially now that Peppers is starting at uh at safety there, but you get to see uche uh, you get to see Anwanu on that team, and uh I, I really like what Peppers looks like in a Bill mm-hmm. Belichick defense. Like that's how you use him. I I kind of was getting a little jealous, a little Watching that, Uche is incredible. Um, didn't have like huge stats in this one, but Tua gets the ball out faster than anyone in the NFL. It's insane. I just don't know what you do against that guy, uh, or more particular, in particular, that offense, not just Tua, it's everything they got going on with Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill and the way they use him. Uh, but Uche is ascending. Ascending, Like he's going to put up big sacks this year. I mean, I, I don't know what that number is going to be. We set the over under a while back. I think we went pretty high on it. Forget what it was, but it was in the up, teens.
2: Yeah, it was high. And this New England defense is going to be one of the best in the NFL. They don't have a lot of offensive support, so that's the only thing that's really like limiting their potential this season. But a few Michigan guys sprinkled in there. uh, Yeah, you love to see Peppers finally just properly utilized, like the Swiss Army knife in the secondary. He always should have been. You see Uche putting it all together, really paired up with Matthew Judon well. And again, you get to play for the greatest defensive mind in the history of football and Bill Belichick. So he's going to find a way to maximize your potential in this defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, watching them on offense is like watching sugar cane grow, but uh, on defense, they're, they're an enjoyable watch. Um, And on when on when you on the offense is nice, but I mean, I can only watch so much guard play to get me through the day. Um, Other Michigan players to touch on Josh Metellus just doing his thing for the Vikings. They're not very good this year, but the captaincy, I think a player that we must've really underrated Um, his Michigan career solid, not excellent, but like he was one of the better players on there. I mean, he was in the top, Five players on that defense, I would say. I mean, it maybe got as high as a top three player.
2: What he was just say? always the he was the victim of those Ohio State games that left such a sour taste in our mouth for so many players. Like those rewatches might be worth it. Just so we make making sure we're evaluating those guys correctly, like just separating the end of it with ending on such a sour note and just like disregarding so much good work beforehand. I think mattel was really a victim of that. Love to see him stick. Love to see Cleek Hudson even get a second contract with the commanders and contribute as well. So just guys like that, I think, like, sometimes the end result might have just overshadowed some of the good work they did.
1: Yep. Uh, We already touched on Ruiz's contract last week. Uh, Rashawn Gary gets a half sack. I think he was out for the first game. I'm not positive. Yeah, this was his first game. Yeah, I thought so. So good to see him back and being impactful. Could be a big year for him. Uh, John Runyon Jr. was the lowest graded uh on the uh on the packers this week. But look, it's when I see this, I just say PFF's not real. I'm sure he played fine, but uh I just love that John Runyon's still out there starting. That's our guy. Uh who else are we missing? Anybody we're talking about? Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones plays tonight. Probably plays playing tonight. As yeah,
2: you know. yeah he plays tonight. Uh Olu got in the game uh, playing center for the Seahawks. Uh Ben Bredesen's yeah. on the line with the Giants. Giants? Yeah, I think yeah.
1: He moved around, yeah, because he, he was getting
2: victimized guy. by Micah Parsons, which a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this season. And Quiddie Pay, Quiddie Pay had another sack.
1: Had a sack? Yep, he absolutely did. For a uh, man, bummer, they lost uh, Anthony Richardson. I was like, oh, this could be a kind of an entertaining Colts team, but yeah. Quiddie Pay coming on on pace for seventeen sacks. So that'd good start. Be, that'd, be, that'd be that's a solid start. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a moment here to talk about the good people of home field. If you're looking for some fresh Michigan Wolverines apparel and plan on being in Ann Arbor this weekend, that is week four of the college football season, head over to graduate Ann Arbor hotel on East Huron street and check out the Homefield apparel pop-up shop from four to 8 PM on Friday and 7 AM until noon on Saturday. This two day only pop-up shop will feature exclusive discounts, free gifts. And of course, fresh Michigan football merchandise from our favorite apparel brand based out of the Midwest. Don't wait because after the event is over Saturday, you won't be able to get this exclusive merchandise anywhere else ever again. One more time, Friday from 4 to 8 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. until noon at the Graduate Ann Arbor Hotel located at East Huron and State Street in downtown Ann Arbor. And if you won't be in Ann Arbor this weekend and are still looking for some comfortable, officially licensed gear, be sure to check out Homefield Apparel online at homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's check in on our stat skins draft. Look, every time uh, we have one of these, I just, all I can do is be remorseful that I didn't take Roman Wilson touchdowns. Uh, But let's go through the points here. Uh, You drafted JJ McCarthy passing yards. I had passing touchdowns this week. The passing touchdowns get it in an ugly performance. Two points to one point for the two touchdowns. And he did not go over 200 yards passing. Uh, You have Blake Corum touchdowns. I had Blake Corum rushing yards. You get the touchdowns. You
2: get yes, we, you should have two here. He got a hundred.
1: Oh, that's right. I've got our scoring incorrect. Yes. So he goes over a hundred, so he gets two. So we wash here. That's nice. That's lovely to see. Uh Rod <laughs> we both we drafted Rod Moore and Will Johnson simultaneously. Neither one has uh started or played a minute yet. So, that's uh, Actually, Will Johnson's played 5 snaps. 8 um, snaps. Right. Don't you deprive
2: them of those other 3.
1: <laughs> with a beautiful 3 too. Uh so that's been a wash. Uh this is this was the fun one of the week. You had Mikey Sainer still I had Jalen Harrell and uh these both dudes balled out. Uh Mikey with the sack and uh Harrell with the sack and the force fumble. So that's four points for me, two points for you. Derek Moore and Roman Wilson failed to score here because we didn't take Roman Wilson touchdowns like imbeciles. And uh, Donovan Edwards went over 50, so you got a point. Junior Colson, no tackles for loss. Uh, you want to draft one more?
2: We're waiting. We're waiting. Let's hold oh, on. We're waiting until we're going we to redraft it all. I think either the bye week or we can just do an even six games and we can switch. That's it.
1: right. That's right. Yeah. Yep.
2: We, we, we
1: mold around uh, continuing to draft week in and week out, but I think your idea is better. Chris Jenkins. I, I mean, Chris
2: Jenkins would be a hot commodity with the sacks and the interception. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Roman Wilson touchdowns is going first. <laughs> let's, let's I think real. it's, yeah, I think it's going to be drafted this time early off
1: the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll redraft. I like that. Maybe half, just do half season.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm we fine can riding even, with this. For we half. can even do half season. And then to make it fun, we can do like postseason and just do big 10 championship and potentially playoff.
1: Okay. I like it. I like that. Um, all right. We did a rapid fire in pod. Number one, another one of the segments we like to do here is a, what the hell is going on moment. Ah, My what the hell is going on moment for this week. You got freaking Kawhi Leonard to come out to Boulder, Colorado. I have pictures of me in an abandoned Colorado stadium with tumbleweeds blowing through as the USC Trojans route the Buffalo 52 to nothing. We couldn't get anyone to even look or mention our program. Now you got Kawhi Leonard there. He doesn't even show up for the Clippers. I haven't seen that guy in months. That guy has no social life and you got him to come out to the Boulder to Boulder. You got the rock out there. You got fights breaking out. Why did I graduate when I did? And what the hell is going on out in Boulder? It looks so fun. I'm jealous of all you cats out there. But also, it's a bit of a circus. So, uh, a a fun circus and certainly something I think you and I would enjoy. Like, if we were just out in Boulder partying and and, and soaking in
2: the scenes. But it's a bit obscure. We're going to see if that circus is going to be set on fire this weekend in Oregon. So, I'm glad they enjoyed it. I'm telling you. (laughs) That's what I mean. You know how I feel. It was an (laughs) awesome environment. So good for college football, man. Like, People are staying up late watching Colorado games and caring about what happens. Like it was an exciting, sloppy, messy game back and forth with a lot of like high level offense to close the show, an occasional 15 yard penalty every other play. Like it's kind of what we enjoy about the sport. So that was fun to watch. I agree with you. What the hell was going on on the sidelines with certain people there? Um, yeah, Kawhi Leonard's game show up for your own games, but like Colorado <laughs> football's on you're just the bridges here. I got to get there. Oh, uh, um, like you're a huge CU
1: Buffs fan. That, that's what you've been this whole time. Kawhi got it.
2: Yeah, and LeBron, known uh, known quote-unquote Ohio State fan, tweeting about the game like he knows anything about football. Like, please please leave me alone. Like, stop. Stop interfering in this. So, no, that's a great one. Uh, mine is my what-the-hell moment of the week has to do with the latest AP poll rankings. So, nothing at the top, nothing of really any consequence, but the final three in the AP poll are, are 23 Tennessee, 24 Iowa, and 25 Florida. So Tennessee and Florida are both two and one Florida just beat Tennessee 29 to 16. in one of the worst games, probably the worst game of the season so far fights ended the game, but Florida won by two scores and they're ranked two spots underneath Tennessee. What the hell are we doing with this voting? This is ridiculous.
1: It is ridiculous. I think they're just assuming like it's early on. No one's going to be paying attention. This will work itself out. But like you need to be doing a little bit better. And literally the only criteria they were using last year, like when it was getting tough to discern was head to head matchups. Yeah, I don't know what we're I don't know what we're doing here. Like, um, where's Missouri at? You got it pulled up.
0: Yeah, After beating Kansas
1: State. Did they get into the rankings? I believe they should be ahead of
2: both. Let me see. Got it right here. Um, yeah, God, that game was awesome. I love Kansas state too. I love everything. Chris Kleinman does I There. I had a bet um, on that one. Good for you. Um, no, not ranked yet. Missouri Six. was, uh, technically they were 27th. So Clemson was 26 with 76 votes. Missouri next with 72 votes.
1: Uh, see, that's dumb. I would put Missouri over both Tennessee and Florida.
2: Yeah. They're undefeated. Like, and they have a ranked win. Yes. Like, oh, they I guess they did have a ranked win because now Kansas State is in the receiving votes just one spot behind Missouri. So that's so dumb.
1: It's dumb. Yeah, the whole thing. ridiculous. Well, it'll all get sorted out uh, particularly in week four, where we have a hell of a slate. And before we get into that slate, I wanted to to pose this question because I think it's maybe the one thing about the CU that hasn't been brought up by uh, the CU situation, the Dion situation that hasn't been brought up by other outlets. Is there another program that's dormant that's like, you could see just like, oh man, like all they need is like a little spark. And then all of a sudden that's like, and granted the Dion thing is like, that is really lightning in a bottle, but like another place like Arizona or Arizona state came to mind as places like fun campuses, like proximity to uh, California and Texas.
2: Like, I mean, is there something else that we're missing? There's a couple, man. I mean, Cal, like Cal. Yeah. I Cal can see could it. use somebody, UC Berkeley, Florida can certainly use it. Florida or Florida. Miami. Florida's
1: like, gotta be the sleeping giant. Like, yeah.
2: Florida's there. Uh, the the school we thought we pr- kind of projected Dion to go to eventually Texas A&M with that yep. funding and everything going on there. There's no reason like they shouldn't be a force. Um, yeah, Miami, like they're three, and zero right now, but we're going to see. So, um, yeah. that could be another location. I mean, there's a bunch of different spots that you could see that with like one jolt in the arm, everything could change. I mean, look how fast Kansas did it with, like, less publicity right. and less, like, things around it. Like, all of a sudden, they have, like, a Heisman contending quarterback. They're fun to watch. They're dynamic, bring a lot of things to the table. So, yeah, I mean, like, although other teams haven't awakened yet, I mean, look at Nebraska. Like, right. ever since denying us the sole national championship in 97, it's just been a whirlwind of mediocrity for the next 20-plus years. They're
1: rightfully cursed. Whoever yes. has control of a, the Nebraska voodoo doll, you're doing a tremendous job. Keep stabbing keep it. <laughs> keep stabbing it with a letter opener. You're doing
2: great work. <laughs> it's like, oh, plus 20, plus 40. So
1: a very malicious person has control of the Nebraska voodoo doll. And I'm absolutely here for it. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will look around the slate at large, but then we are going to preview what should be. I wouldn't even say a sneaky good game against Rutgers. I'm just going to go ahead and go right out and say a good game, especially compared to what we've seen thus far. So we got that and more right after this. All right. We are back. We are righteous men and college football remains very good. We are looking around at the slate for this week. And I would say this is without a doubt the week where things get real, right? Like we had some yep. fun week one. Um, You know, there was a game or two, uh, you know, week two. I think that was the Texas Alabama was the big yep. one there. Um, So there's been some fun, uh, but this is the real deal week four.
2: This is this is why college football fans love college football. It's like a day straight of nothing but great games. Like you and I were looking at the schedule like this week. Uh, there's another good great weekend in October. We'll actually be together hanging out for that one. So that's going to be a blast like right around like October 21st. So yeah, man, this is the first real taste of college football. Like most non-conference games are out of the way now. We're getting into the meat of the season and games with real implications. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh obviously we'll get to the Michigan Rutgers game, but let's look at some of these other ones here. Florida State Clemson, a lot of intrigue there. That's on the noon slate. And it's Florida State at Clemson. So I mean, if Clemson's gonna make any type of run at this thing, now would be the time. I am thoroughly not impressed with what I see at Clemson. I've watched Clemson and Bama now, and uh it's pretty dramatic. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Like the the fall from Grace, and I am gonna go ahead and out, out and say that they could both get better throughout the season but they're just not the same types of programs. Um, Alabama in particular, I think could still rise because of the amount of talent on there, but yeah. Clemson actually has a talent problem, which is crazy to say.
2: Yeah. They're uh, yeah. I feel better just with the saving sample size compared to Dabo Sweeney, just to write to the ship and turn it around. Maybe that's just my bias speaking, but yeah, this is a very interesting game. I feel like Clemson, this could be a little kitchen sinky though to so like, Coming off the Boston College game last week with Florida State, like could have exposed some things. They really took Keon Coleman away in that game. Didn't, I don't know, I think he had, did he have a catch? I don't know, I'm not sure if he had a catch. You have him on your
1: fantasy team, he didn't help you.
2: No, I think it was .9. I don't think there was a lot (laughs) going on there. So, I mean, maybe that's a recipe. So, I think Dabo and company are going to throw everything at them in this one and see what they can come down with. I still don't think it'll be enough, so I favor Florida State like you do. Yeah, I'm going
1: to take Florida State in this one. Just not a believer in Clemson. Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Start to get a a better idea of what Oklahoma is. Um, Looking around here. What else excites me? Colorado, Um, Oregon, 330. Colorado, Oregon in the 330 slot. Yeah, Uh, look, I mean, I'm a CU alum. We just got through singing their praises. It's been fun. Uh, They lost Travis Hunter, and, like, so much of their defense relied around him. So much of their offense relied around him. It sucks, like – It sucks for college football. I was going to ask you this at the top. We'll do it now. Why not? Um, We always do the superlative. If you could swap one other college football player onto this Michigan team, who would you take? Uh, I I was going to say it was Travis. Travis hunter you know before this injury i'd still might might say it's travis hunter and that's not a knock on josh wallace like he's just unreal yeah Uh,
2: Yeah. but like
1: who would you take if you could take any player in college football that you've seen so far
2: yeah you're not wrong going with him like i mean it's a great pick especially we could do like in the return game and just different Mm -hmm. stuff and definitely wouldn't have to use him as much as a wide receiver but it would still be just a nice card to play that's a fun pick uh joe alt left tackle from notre dame of course the offensive line uh add some Add somebody like that to this unit, what they could do. I think it would just be a big boost. Or, I mean, sometimes, you know, you just want the rich to get richer. You could take uh, Jared Verse, the defensive end from Florida State, and add him into the rotation, what you're going to do, and, like, keep him fresh with new bodies coming in. So a lot of directions you could go with this team and have a lot of fun with it.
1: And Marvin Harrison's still going to be up there, too. Let's, oh, of course, uh, let's of course he about. is. Like, you,
2: you could look at any, like, if you're ranking, like, players and take anybody in the top 10, they make this team better.
1: I got a fun one for you. Brock Bowers.
2: Yeah, of course. I know,
1: I know you like Loveland more, but a Bowers Loveland combo. Oh, come, come on, now.
2: man. Yeah. Like what you're going to do. He's the britches. And- He's the britches. You're going to got to fix them around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like it would be, there's so many players that you could have fun with. Like put Johnny Newton on the interior on this team with Chris Jenkins, like and <laughs> Kenneth Grant, like, come on, man. <laughs> like
1: talk about the rich getting richer uh but back to to Colorado at Oregon uh, emotional win against a rival uh you've already really surpassed expectations out of the gate here and the depth of Colorado even before the Travis Hunter injury they just don't have depth I mean they brought in everybody fresh and all these guys haven't played together it's been working but primarily because their offense is tough to scheme against when you've Mm -hmm. got Shador Sanders scrambling around back there and these crazy athletes that can get open Um, but the offensive line against Colorado is not that strong and their defensive line is what's really going to hurt them here so I don't know what the spread is but I think Oregon's going to win by at least two touchdowns
2: yeah this the line of scrimmage is where you're going to see the deficiencies that's why colorado does what they do and i think oregon's just going to give them a heavy dose of bucky irving a lot of things talent wise or their skill positions to really test them you already mentioned the loss of travis hunter of oh, the other shoe drops on Colorado this week. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond to that the following week, uh, welcoming USC to home and Caleb Williams. So it's like this, it is not getting any easier for Colorado. It doesn't diminish what they've like done in terms of the turnaround and everything else, but now they're going to have some adversity. So we're going to learn a lot more about this team. But also at the 330 spot next week, man, we have UCLA at Utah at 330 and Ole Miss at Alabama at 330. So you got Kiffin versus Saban. You have a hotly contested battle in the Pac-12 between Kyle Whittingham and Cam Rising and going against Dante Moore and uh, Chip Kelly. Like just so many good matchups in that spot.
1: Yeah. uh, Number 22, UCLA versus number 11, Utah wanted to take a second to talk about this one because Dante Moore's coming to the Big Ten next year and he's a f- true freshman. That dude's going to be a problem. So like this is a dude we need to start looking at right now. Um, Immediately, he becomes if if uh, JJ goes in the draft, he becomes the best quarterback in the conference next year so worth mentioning i think i mean drew Larr, we'll see what happens with him um kyle mccord it's way too early to forecast what he's going to be i don't even know how many years he has left but i think he has at least one more um but yeah dante moore will be there and he's going to be good so keep an eye on it keep an eye on that game and uh, i think alabama's in real trouble against Ole miss now alabama's kind of had um lane kiffin's number the last yeah. couple years but this Alabama team has serious problems. Uh, Apparently Lane Kiffin said in an interview that they discovered they secretly fired their defensive coordinator. And uh, I just love Lane Kiffin for these types of jabs and putting that out there. Like he's a pot stir.
2: And Alabama's defensive coordinator last year, uh, Golding is with Ole Miss now. So like Ah, two people that used to be in house going against them. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I love the, uh, there was a, there was a, (laughs) The Lil Wayne rap lyric one time in like 2010, it said smoke weed, talk shit like Lane Kiffin. And it still remains true to this day. And I love it.
1: Resonates, uh, and then uh the evening slate. What's the prime? Oh, Oregon State, Washington yes. State. Let me let me tell you that this is so right up my alley, and I'm love that it's right up your alley. Yes. Uh, something tells me this is going to be the gem of the day. Like tune into this. Well, uh, what's it on? It's on Fox. That's unfortunate, but Oregon State at Washington State. I love. I mean, Uliungale has like shown himself to be something, but this Cam Ward dude from Washington State is a baller. I love him. I love both programs. Oh.
2: I'm all in on that one. That one's so much fun. I mean, it's the battle of the survivors. It's the only teams that haven't jumped ship yet from the conference. Don't know what's going to happen with their future. I love this matchup and what it means. Oregon state's really the only team that plays. I mean, them in Utah, the only teams that play defense in the conference, but at the same time, like Arkansas at LSU at seven Ohio state at Notre Dame at seven Iowa at Penn State at seven thirty. It just starts running down the list. Like you even have games that like could get a little interesting. That like aren't all that good. Like um, North Carolina at Pittsburgh, UCF, my, Kansas State. That's like, my
1: upset pick. I think Pitts gonna get
2: them. I like this. They they needed yeah. after losing the backyard brawl last week. Cal at Washington. I mean, there's just a ton of games in the evening slate. Of course, we I mean, Texas at Baylor. Like if Dave Aranda is gonna pull something out of his hat, like it's gonna be this week against Quinn Ewers. So I'm so excited, man. This is this is like a Christmas weekend for us with all of these games.
1: I love it. I'm going to do everything I need to do Friday, so I do not have to leave on Saturday. That is how our ancestors and their ancestors before them set it up. Uh, that's what they intended for us. I'm uh, going to have to four screen it because the seven yes. o'clock slate's got three that I really want to watch. So this yes. will be a four screener. Uh, Michigan, however, will not be part of that because we'll already know the outcome as they play at noon against a upstart a uh, feisty, they're definitely a pesky, plucky yeah. Rutgers team. Uh, currently sitting at 3-0 after a win against Virginia Tech. They've played a more difficult schedule than us. I got to give it to that. Give it to them. They are coming off a 4-8 and overall record. They were 1-8 and in the Big Ten last year. Shiano is in his 15th year at Rutgers, if you count both stints. Uh, he has a winning record there, which is wild. Um, I did not realize that. Uh, that's very difficult to do. And uh, this might be one of his better teams. Uh, You know, we know we knew they were going to be good on defense coming in, but they've been better than they needed, better than expected on offense as they only scored 21 points three times all of last season and the team won all three games. So uh, what's your overall
2: takeaway on Rutgers? Um, Improving, but kind of like really what we expected to a degree. I mean, back in May, I ranked Michigan's upcoming schedule in terms of difficulty and I had Rutgers fourth, like, so it's not like they're really sneaking up on anybody. Like we thought this team was going to be good. They're showing it on defense. Their run game has really improved this season. They have a new coordinator. It's Kirk. Oh, gee, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Chiaroka. Chiaroka. Sure. I think that's, that's sounds what I'm, great. That sounds fine to me. But I mean, he's, he's bounced around. He was most recently at Minnesota last year. Uh, He was the Penn State OC quarterback coach in 2020. He'd been at Minnesota three years prior to that. He's been all over the place. So he's going to come here with a run-first mentality and ease the pressure on Gavin Wimsett. And that's what he's done. He's turned Gavin Wimsett into just a game-managing quarterback, very key on not making mistakes. He's yet to throw an interception this season. He's not airing it down the field, but he's taking care of the football and letting their stud running back, um, Manongai, I don't know what it is up with this team and these names, but, yeah, Kyle Manonga, the running back, uh, he is a junior. He was the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week last week. Only had four carries for 17 yards last year against Michigan and was their leading rusher. But really showing some signs of becoming kind of the star on the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been impressed with what I've seen on offense. Gavin Wimsett is not going to blow you away. He's better than Jeff Sims. I love that Jeff Sims is just going to continue to catch strays on this podcast. Deservedly, Deservedly so. The- he was he's terrible. Deservedly so. But yeah, the rest of this offense is starting to come along. Uh, Monungai went for buck 65 and a touchdown against Virginia yeah. or uh, not against. Virginia. That was against Temple, who we thought Temple would be kind of good. And we thought Virginia Tech would be better. I don't know how good either of those teams are, but coming into the season, they were respected and people thought they would be at least middle of the pack, top 50 teams. So you're able to come in and run the ball pretty effectively that I am going to go ahead and buy into, but they're obviously taking a huge leap in competition this week. Um, and whimsit, I think, is really where things are going to be uh, a lot yeah. different for him, a lot more difficult. And it all starts up front for, for the Michigan team here. And pressure on him is going to take away what's been able to make him work, getting him in third and manageable situations by running the ball in early downs. That's going to be really difficult for Rutgers. So whimsit's going to have to make plays. Um, and this is why, honestly, like what I said about Bowling Green before they went to their third string quarterback was that they're probably a trickier matchup for us particularly with will johnson and rod Moore out yeah we don't know if we're getting those guys back but a team that's going to scare me early on with our front seven is going to be a team that can do things through the air and i'm not positive this rutgers team can do that right now
2: No, whims uh barely completing 52 percent of his passes, 6.2 yards in attempt so nothing Nothing much to scare you there. What does scare you though is if Rutgers can force turnovers, which Michigan showed a propensity for last week. So, of the last two matchups, Michigan has won the turnover battle decisively, four to nothing. And I heard a stat today. I believe Rutgers is like, tw- like 17 and one or something in their last 18 when winning the turnover battle. I don't have the exact number, but it's decisive. So, it's going to be a big thing about protecting the football in this one and staying patient because last year Rutgers led at the, ha- the half and Michigan. I mean, shut them out in the second half and pulled away fifty-two to seventeen. So just stay patient, stay within yourself, and prepare for a fight in the trenches because Rutgers always plays hard in the trenches. They had a, a fourth and goal stop against Michigan last year at the goal line uh, two years ago. Just took us to the absolute wire. It was our worst rushing performance of the year, even even worse than the one we had against Georgia, which featured Jalen Carter and all of those guys on the defensive line. Rutgers just completely dominated. So they're going to come in here inspired, looking to win the battle in the trenches first and foremost, and then force Michigan to make mistakes.
1: Yeah. um, You know, you talked about their defense. This is like a top 10 defense, no matter which statistical category you want to look at. They're only giving up 70 yards rushing per game. Uh, They're like just behind Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, in scoring defense, um, you know, granted small sample size, you know, I'll I'll say that once, but you know, remember that as we rattle off some of these statistics, but the sample size is good and it's kind of what we expected. We expected this to be a really strong defensive team. Um, I think that they are like you mentioned strongest in the trenches. I think I like their front seven a little bit more than I like their secondary. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see how Michigan chooses to attack this Rutgers team because they're a balanced defense. I would imagine that it's going to, like we've seen, be dependent on what Rutgers is going to show right out of the gate. I mean, that's not some crazy good analysis, but what do you kind of expect to see be the cadence of this game? Do you imagine they do what we've primarily seen up to this point, which is stack the box and make JJ make some plays in the secondary?
2: (laughs) I think that's what it's going to have to be. Like, I think this is the first game. I don't think they're going to overload it like we saw against UNLV or East Carolina, but I still think they're going to have at least eight in the box at all times. And I think, honestly, that's a good thing for Michigan to just get back to power running because I can't, what's the offensive identity of Michigan right now? Is it balance? Is, is that it? Because I haven't really seen it. Like, so I need to see this, this offense full tilt. See what they're bringing to the table. I think you still have to work like inside out with this, run the football, make them commit, make them make a mistake, and just make it easy for McCarthy. Like, I expect a big bounce back game from him, but like, let's not make the Josh Gaddis mistake and go pass happy and forget what we do best and what gives Michigan an advantage in nine out of 10 matchups.
1: Yep, I'm with you there. Um, how many penalties do you think Michigan has, and how many penalties would you guess Rutgers has on the season?
2: michigan's michigan's low i know they're mm -hmm. low i would say they have i wish i could pick starters uh seven on the year
1: 10 on the year tied for ninth in the country Rutgers right behind him with 11 not a highly penalized team coaching coaching exactly shiano is an actual coach so this is going to be a fundamentally sound football game Mm -hmm. where you're going to need to take advantage of opportunities like put the ball in the end zone when you can like field goals are going to make things dicey if you're just if you're just going into the half and it's 16 to 6 or something like that and like all of a sudden you're you're bogged down in the second half things could get a little bit dicey i don't want to go that route turnovers 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 obviously last week left a bad taste in all of our mouths i'm still like using a tongue scraper at night just to try and get it out of my mouth uh you do not want to mess around with this team and like turn the ball over three times and be in a tight game like that that's a recipe for a really bad day um look i mean our defense is so good our running game is so sound um the talent is far superior to Rutgers but they're going to be well coached they're going to play sound fundamentally they're going to be stout on both lines like that's a team you can't mess around with and turnovers like the definition of do not mess around take care of the ball
2: it's honestly feels like who can make the first mistake like that's that's that could swing this whole game last year Michigan was down 17 to 10 at the half didn't didn't blink came out in the third quarter and blanked them 28 to nothing to just blow the game completely wide open and with where this team was last week, you don't want to see them in that situation this week. You want to see them get ahead, coast. Like, Michigan is still at the trail, so you have to really be put in any kind of jeopardy. Like, this past week was the first time you could even feel just a little bit of tension creeping in. But Rutgers is ripe for an upset. Like, this is what – Shiano always has them ready for Michigan. Like, we've seen the last two years. We've seen the history of conference play. So maybe, like, Michigan was just getting ahead of the curve, you know, just getting the bad game out before conference play. So now they're going to have it ready. But this game is going to tell us a lot about this team, about their resilience, especially about J.J. McCarthy's as a leader of this team moving forward. And I think this could be a dogfight for, I mean, a quarter, a half, three quarters even. Like, Rutgers is coming in here and prove something yeah absolutely a wild sentence
1: to have to yeah. say in the year of yeah. our lord 2023 but the testament to shiana who we've always really respected and you know it's very difficult place to win so to get to the point where you're you've got michigan on a national title hopefully run um or at least uh you know we're the big 10 champions until someone dethrones us yep. and for us to be sitting here we cover the damn sport and we're like don't mess around with rutgers like that's That's improvement and uh, they deserve, they deserve the accolades there. Um, Anything else you want to touch on before we get to predictions? Um, The last thing I'll touch on, get all that special team nonsense from last week. Let's, let's not mess around with that. Let's Uh, not mess around with that. Turner's going to have to make a kick or two in this too.
2: Let's not underestimate the Jim Harbaugh return factor. Everybody doing their, everybody, every coach doing their part, their job only. And then Harbaugh can handle everything else from a head coaching standpoint. There's going to be a lot of juice with his return. So motion's in check. It's a noon game. So I think it's going to be a good bolt, a good just jolt to this team that they need. Yes.
1: Uh, I won't say morale was low amongst the men, but uh, morale could use a boost. Like this is like getting some hard. It was not high. This is like getting a shipment of hard tack and grog for some weary sailors. Like get the morale boosted back up get harbaugh back on the sidelines can't wait to see that's just where he belongs to yes. like you and i were talking off air like doesn't feel right to look over at that sidelines and you know love sharon Moore, mike hart Jay harbaugh and uh who was it on oh, minter love them all but uh it's they're not jim harbaugh no so no can't wait for that let's get some predictions and players of the game sir
2: OK, I think it's going to be a dogfight in the first half, especially I could see Michigan going to the half with a score of like 17, 14 to six, like ahead, but definitely not doesn't have the game put away, like sorting through emotions, Shiana's doing some things on defense, a lot of movement in the front. They're going to blitz from JJ's right side, try to force him into mistakes, see if he can do another, turn the ball over, give him an edge. I don't think it happens. We've not seen J.J. ever be turnover-prone for more than a game. Like He's going to sort this out, get it corrected. Harbaugh's there now, the quarterback whisperer. So I think things are going to get sorted out in the second half. I'm going to keep it cut and dry in this one. I think player of the game offensively is going to be Blake Corum. I think we're going to get back to a steady dose of Corum and Edwards. It could even be Edwards in this one, but I think we're going to get back to a steady diet of both those guys running the football in this one to ease the burden, set up the play-action pass. Defensively, I'm going I'm to take a swing – and I'm going to say Rod Moore returns, and I think he does so. And he gets an interception in his return off Gavin Wimsett. Forces him into that situation with the pass rush in his face. I think Rodmore takes one away, really sets up the offense. Michigan is tight early, but I think they pull away late. They win this one 38-13. I like it. Uh, there's a lot that you said in there that I will just
1: echo. Uh, in particular, the score being tight at the half. I could definitely see that. I mean, that's been kind of the case with a lot of these games, honestly, yeah. when uh, you know teams play someone overmatched, it's that uh, conditioning and the overall talent wears on you in the second half. This is nothing new. I think you're right that leaning on the running game, particularly coming off a three interception game, is going to be the best way to get JJ McCarthy back into a rhythm, make things easier on him, make his life easy. So going anybody, Blake Corum, seems blasphemous, but I'm going to do it anyway because I I want to mix it up. Let's go with JJ. Let's say bounce back game for JJ. It's probably going to be one of these two guys. I mean, our offense can go either way and uh you know flip a coin and i'm gonna say that last week was an anomaly no. i certainly hope last week is an anomaly we yeah. as a fan base need last week to be an anomaly yes. so for that reason i'm gonna go with jj on offense um i'm all i like what you did with rod Moore there so i think this is fun let me do the same thing with will johnson I love this. The, the guy that i got in the skins draft uh, this was his coming getting- out party last year and getting our guys back, let's get the whole band back together. Right now, we just got Ringo Starr and George Harrison just lonely tapping away on a per- on a percussion set. Um, we need to get we need to get uh, Paul and, and John Lennon back in there. So let me go. Wilt Johnson gets a pick and uh, has a triumphant return. I see the the final score being pretty similar. I had it thirty two to ten, I think, in our roundtable for mason Brew that's coming out. So I think I want to stick with that. I'm going to go thirty two to ten which I believe is what I predicted there. Something like that. Um, Yeah, pulling away later in the second half. Um, Yeah, I don't really have much else other to say than uh, Gavin Wims only threw for 46 yards against Virginia Tech. So enjoy Kenneth Grant and Chris Jenkins.
2: There's going to be a lot in his face. I do think Rut, Rutgers is just going to be a, like I said, a frisky, a plucky type of team. But I think the talent gap is going to catch up. And it wouldn't surprise me. If this one explodes like it did last year in the third quarter and we're seeing like a 40, 40 point, something like that kind of final score for Michigan.
1: I'm with you. Who gets upset? We just went over that slate earlier. There's an upset coming this week. Who gets it?
2: Let me pull it up again. I need to.
1: I don't know if Ohio State counts as getting upset. They are technically ranked higher than Notre Dame.
2: I, that's that's one i will go with i feel pretty confident yeah. in that i think old miss beats alabama uh, not too big of an upset but still lower ranked um i'm not I got gonna bit over north carolina i already said that one yeah i got maryland over michigan state i don't know if that counts as an upset Ooh, i love that uh, um, i would love for for my mid bowl argument yeah that's uh, that game is on track to be awful um I, I want to go Washington state over Oregon state. I do, but I like Oregon state's defense, even if it's at Washington state. Um, yeah, I think I'll stick with those. I, I want to be cute and go Iowa over Penn state, but come on now. Um, no. Oh yeah. I'll give you one Baylor over Texas. There's the spicy one. That's incredibly spicy. Baylor has been awful. They were bad in week one. They've improved. Who'd they play last week? Uh, they played. No, they played LIU in Smokin, but they played Utah really close in that game. They should have beaten them.
1: Hmm, Okay, that is a spicy one. I don't see that one, but uh, I like where your head's at. Got to get spicy with it. My spicy one is Pitt over North Carolina. Um, I will take the Washington State over Oregon State, though.
2: I know you're all in on that quarterback. I love it.
1: Oh, you got me in on him. I was like, yeah. this guy's great. I'm super in. I mean, Uli Ugly has been a lot of fun, too. I like that Oregon State team. Uh, this was fun, sir. Enjoyed this. Can't wait to come back next week and talk about a Big Ten victory. We should have a crossover pod coming with the Big House Bleachers boys yes. here soon. Now that we are entering into conference play. Uh, shout out to those guys. They've been doing awesome work this season as well. Go check them out after you've listened to us. Of course. Uh, you know, that that's, of course, look, I mean. No, it was America. Uh, but that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. whether that's Spotify, Apple Music. Please leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. You can follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go